Have you ever heard of what's called a trust fall? It was popular a few years ago, and that is as you're building group community, you have a person who does what is not normal, and that is that they will blindfold themselves and the group says, okay, you fall and we'll catch you. I remember watching a, uh, a YouTube on a father, and I believe it was three daughters, and they were doing a family trust fall and they were each learning to trust each other. And they were saying, okay, we're gonna catch you. So they put the blindfold on the girl and they said, okay, now fall. And the sister ran around back to catch her and the girl fell forward. <laughs> and the video stopped immediately, and that was the last I saw of it. You know, I believe so often our society is doing that today. They're trying to trust, but they've put their trust in the wrong thing. They don't understand, and instead of seeing what our God is really like, they fall, and then they turn around and go, I can't believe you didn't catch me. Well, it was all because... They don't know God, and they don't understand what's happening. God says, this is the way. Walk in it. God says, I will show you the paths you're to take. God says, delight in me, and I'll give you right desires. God says, put on the armor and you will be able to withstand Satan, and you will be able to stand in the evil days. God says, walk by faith, not by sight. Trust me. Title of the sermon this morning is Still Standing. And we're going to focus on just a few of the verses that Brother Micah read for us this morning. So as we go back to Ephesians chapter 6, let's begin again at verse 10. And I want us to see three things about our God. And what does God tell us is necessary for us to experience victory? Now today you may say, well, God let me down. Let me ask you, have you looked to see what God said? Or did you build the criteria? Did you say, this is the way it's going to be, and God, you better not fail my plans? As we've studied the book of Ephesians together, the first three chapters are all about doctrine. And doctrine is so important because out of doctrine, out of what God said... We then know chapters 4 through 6, how to live. And he constantly refers back to chapters 1 through 3 and chapters 4 through 6 because he doesn't want you to think the Christian life is you get saved, you live however you want, and God just takes care of all the details. So notice with me, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
Wherefore, because of this, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having, uh, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Still standing. I want you to notice three things here. God gives power. In fact, specifically, Jesus Christ gives power. I want you to notice Jesus Christ gives victory, and I want you to notice Jesus Christ provides protection. First of all, God gives power. Verse 10, I want you to notice he says, Finally, my brethren. Now, it may be that because it's at the end of the book, he is just saying, and here's the conclusion. Or it may be this is the last, this is the next, this is the last section that I want to be telling you about. Remember, he's been telling us about how do you handle relationships in the church. And then he talked about ministering to one another with our gifts. And then he talked about relationship issues in chapter 4. And then in chapter 5, he talks about the family. Talks about husband and wife relationships. And in chapter 6, he talks about parent and child relationships. And he talks about employer and employee relationships. You see, Christianity impacts everything that we do. Christianity changes the way we handle life. And now he comes to the last part of it, and that is understanding how we can deal with what we don't see, but what is happening around us. And that is, how do you deal with the spiritual battles that are happening? There are spiritual battles going on in here this morning, right now. I have been in a spiritual battle. But don't think, wow, what happened? It's every day that I'm in a spiritual battle. Yesterday and today, I was more aware of it, maybe because God was causing me to think about his word and to remember where he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. First of all, here's the thing I want you to remember. God gives power. Strength comes from the Lord. And I want you to notice the description of the strength that is available. Interestingly enough, Again, Paul is plucking words out of the doctrine section and reminding us in chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But if you would, go back to chapter 1 with me and notice what he's doing. At the end of chapter 1, remember how Paul was giving these doctrinal statements and then he bursts into this prayer for the people. And he's praying that they would understand the doctrine. And we come to verse 19. You know, he's saying, oh, Father, that they, would, that they would understand these different things. And in verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the might, according to the working of his mighty power? Paul's saying, oh, that people would understand it's not about your power. You're struggling with all of these things and you're giving in the temptations and you're saying, I don't know. It's like God just isn't strong enough. And he's saying, no, that you would understand it's all about his working in us. It's about using his power. And he uses four different words here that are very important for us. He says, it's going to use the word be strong. 
here in, in uh, verse 10, and the word there is the word dunamis. Now, we, it kind of sounds like dynamite. It really doesn't have um, a correlation with an explosion. But it's talking about, but you could think about dynamite. If I had a stick of dynamite, about now, some of you would have gone, that'd be cool. Let's light it. Let's see what it does. Some of you'd be going, no, I'm out of here. But it depends on your personality. But when you see a stick of dynamite, what do you know? It has potential power. It's there. It's not been released. Paul, in verse 19, says that they would understand the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. The word mighty is a different word for power. The word power is yet another different word describing a kind of power. The greatness of his power talks about yet another kind of power. And the four that are mentioned here is potential power. The power of his might is supernatural power. It is significant power that is able to overcome. Then in verse 19, we read the power of his might, which is inherent power. It resides in him. And so what he's trying to get us to look at in verse 19, Paul's praying, he says, Oh, I pray that they will understand the potential power that's available to them that it's supernatural power, that it is not physical power, and that it is inherent power in him, his power. It is not something that he's going to run out of. It is unlimited power. You see, those are important truths because as we get into things, often we say, okay, I just can't go anymore. I can't do this. I can't, I can't. And I believe you because I'm just like you. But the reality is, it's not our power that was the gift that God gave to us. In chapter 1, verse 3, he brings us back and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So everything we're going to look at today in chapter 6 indexes back to the doctrinal section. You see, what you believe impacts how you behave. The church often is powerless, but it's not because God is powerless, but it's what we're believing that is affecting how we're behaving. So let's go back to chapter 6. I want us to see the Lord. These four words of inherent strength, significant strength, supernatural strength, the activity of that strength and the potential power. If you could imagine with me this morning, imagine a huge bulldozer. Not just a little one, a huge one. And you look at it and you're seeing this great big piece of equipment and it's just sitting here. Now imagine with me all that this bulldozer could do. It could clear trees out of the way. It could flatten things. It could do all kinds of things. 
by looking at it, you can say this thing has inherent power. And when you get to get in it and you hit the start button and it roars to life and it begins to move, its overwhelming power becomes obvious. Before you say, I, I'm, I know what that can do. I think I know what that can do. But once it starts and it begins moving and you feel the rumbling here in the building as it's pushing out the wall and going out into the yard and you're going, wow, that's incredibly powerful. However, when it comes to a tree and it knocks the tree over, you are seeing the application of that power and it did amazing things. That is what Paul is describing in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He is saying, be strong in the Lord. Use this supernatural power that's available but make sure as a believer and make sure as a church that we are recognizing that our strength is in the Lord. It's not in each individual and it's not even in the collectiveness of our group. Our strength is in the Lord. And the power of his might. Each of those words are reminding you about the availability of it, the supernatural of it, the... the uh, limitless availability of it and the fact that it can be put to use right away. Now that sounds too good to be true, but that is exactly what God is telling us. And we go back and we say, coming from anyone else, I would say you've overstretched this, but not coming from God. Paul says, I want you to see our Lord's genuine ability to protect is Jesus Christ able to do what he says he can do? For those of us who have placed our faith in him for our salvation, oddly enough, we think that he can do the impossible by taking someone who is dead in trespasses and sins with no goodness that you could go back to and say, well, you know, there's a little bit of good. We, we cultivate that. You put a little miracle grow on that, and that person will be okay. No, there's nothing good in me. And yet he said, he made me alive. And I believe that. But do I really believe that he can give me strength for each day? Do I really believe that he can change me? Do I really believe that he can keep me from those things that enslaved me for so many years? And the thing I want you to notice in verse 10, what he's telling you is, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. What is he telling you? It's possible that this morning we are not being strong in the Lord and we are not tapping into the power of his might. You can be a Christian and not use your resources. He says, choose your power source. The warning in John chapter 15, remember what he says? Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye. You can't produce anything except you abide in me. He says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. 
it's very easy for us to begin to choose something other than God for our strength. It may be a group. It may actually be this group that you have kind of just bonded together because you all have the same hurts and you all have the same needs and you think, well, that's, that's where I'm going to get my strength. And the problem is this group will let you down. This group cannot do what you need because Jesus Christ is the only one who can really help you in your daily life. We may choose groups. We may choose friends. Some people choose substance. And they'll say, well, you know, I just... I just need a little something to help me get through what I'm going through. But notice, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Lord is really important there. And in the power of his might. There really is a difference between daily temptation and daily defeat you will be tempted every day. You will go through those pressures. But there's a big difference between temptation and defeat. You don't have to be defeated. The hymn writer said, stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Daily victory over habits. Daily victory over temptation. So what is our responsibility when it comes to victory over temptation? Can a person have victory over temptation? And the answer is yes, when the power comes from his power. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? according to the working of his mighty power. Do you know, if you were to look at verse 20 in, in chapter 1 there, you would see it's the same power that raised Jesus Christ. If you'd look in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it's the same power that brought you to life. In another place in the scripture, it says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. It was all of him. He's the one who allowed me to get saved. How can I walk this walk today? It's all of him. It's all the Holy Spirit that God gave to me and that God gave to you. So I want you to notice God gives power. And then I want you to notice God gives victory, verses 11 and 12. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 10, it's interesting, he puts the sequence. Verse 10 is the what. Verse 11a is the how. And now Paul explains the why in the last part of verse 11 and verse 12. He says, depend on the Lord's power. He says, put on God's armor. And now he says, here's why you need to do this. Up to this point, you've been going, okay, all right, whatever. You say I need to do this, that's fine, but I don't think I will. Okay, but you need to understand the why. Verse 11 reminds us why. 
He says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles literally is a word that means the methods. And we, we may take a break from the book of Luke for just a little bit, and we may look at the strategy of Satan on Wednesday nights. I think we need to understand how he attacks, how he does things. And this text doesn't necessarily address it as much as it says, this is what you need. This is why you need this. And he says, so that ye may be able to stand against the methods, the tricks, the deceit of the devil. He talks about the sure victory. You can stand against Satan's battle tricks. Isn't this interesting? You know, he just says, look, if you put this on, you can be able to stand. The question I have to ask myself is, so then why don't I stand? Is God not honest? Or have I missed something that God in his word was teaching me and I'm not doing? Now, some would say, oh, so are you teaching perfectionism? No, I'm teaching you victory in Christ, which is what this says. It's not, you know, some say, oh yeah, I never struggle with those things. Oh no, I'm telling you, I struggle all the time. And if we're honest with each other, you struggle all the time. We just don't like to admit it. We like to dress up. We like to look good. We come to church. We ask how everybody's doing. We talk about the weather and we go home. And we haven't really addressed our issues, have we? Because it's embarrassing. No one likes to say I'm weak. But the reality is he's saying here, look, he said, if you'll put on the whole armor of God... You can stand against the deceitfulness of Satan. Am I misinterpreting that? Am I somehow twisting God's words? Are there things that Satan can throw at me that I cannot have victory over? Have I twisted God's word? And the answer is, well, no, you haven't. But, but that's really uncomfortable because if God said it and God is faithful and I'm not experiencing it, what's the problem? And I would submit to you, it's because we're not putting on the whole armor of God. We put on some of the armor of God. But you notice how he's going to emphasize this over and over again? He says, put on the whole armor of God. We come to verse 13. He's going to say, wherefore, take unto you the, you see what it says again? The whole armor of God. That makes me back up and say, okay, what do I need to be doing here? If this is the practical application of the doctrine that he taught in chapters 1 through 3, if this is the practical application, this is what I can take with me based on what I know, then if I'm not experiencing what he promises, then I need to back up and say, okay, so Lord, what are you wanting me to know? What are you wanting me to do today? He's saying you can stand against Satan's battle tricks. Interesting, the word diabolos is only used twice in the book of Ephesians. It's used here, and it's also used in chapter 4, verse 27, when he says, neither give place to diabolos. Neither give place to the enemy who is a deceiver and a liar. And what you have to remember is everything we're seeing in the world is a lie. Because Satan's a liar. And if he's the ruler of this world, what do we know about the world system? It's a lie. Now, as we look around us, we see beautiful things, and those are vestiges of God's creation. 
and we see things around us that are messed up, and that's because Satan right now is in charge. You see, you have available, unlimited, inherent power in Christ, ready for action, but it's your choice. That ought to be liberating today. It ought to be exciting. It ought to be the kind of thing where we say, okay, I'm ready, I'm in. You see, you look at your God, and what do we know about Jesus Christ? He has seen the enemy. He has given you the equipment so that you can have victory. Several years ago, there was an article, in fact, it was 2013 when it was written, about the MRAPs, and that is the mine-resistant ambush protection vehicle. And as we were fighting, we began to realize that with the... Um, these uh, remote-controlled devices that would explode, our vehicles were being destroyed. So we began building these MRAPs. And David Axe wrote, he said, the bomb exploded like a dusty thunderclap directly underneath the front tire of our U.S. Army Max Pro truck, sending the tall, roughly 20-ton vehicle lurching at least 10 feet forward and scattering chunks of the outer hull of the vehicle like amputated body parts. The date was March 19, 2011, in the eastern Afghanistan's breadbasket province. The bomb, later estimated at 250 pounds, had targeted a convoy belonging to the, Mount, to the Army's 10th Mountain Division. All seven occupants survived, and the writer says, and I know without a doubt why, the Max Pro a variant of the Pentagon's mine-resistant ambush-protected family of armored vehicles had absorbed and deflected most of the bomb's force with its sophisticated and classified armor blend and force-deflecting angled underbody. The truck saved our lives. He went on to say, as a result of the MRAP's introduction, thousands and thousands of lives were saved. What changed? the vehicle that the men were in. You see, the real enemy, what I want you to notice is, he says in verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, I, I constantly have to remind myself of that because I meet people that I just don't like. It's okay, I can edit the, the tape. Um, <laughs> I meet people I don't like, and I'm going to guess you do too. And you know what it's easy for me to do is begin to have a problem with that person. And what does he tell us? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Oh, there, there are nasty people in this world. But the real battle that you and I are going through every day is not your spouse, is not your children. The real battle that you're in every day is a spiritual battle. He says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, interestingly enough, and I read this to you, what was Paul's prayer? That they would remember what God had given them, all these blessings in the heavenlies and spiritual places. We are being bombarded in a battle every day. And the temptation is to say, I can't do this. I don't have the resources to do this. I can't handle this. 
In reality, Paul told us, here's the doctrine, here's the truth. God gave you all these different things. He has empowered you through Jesus Christ. And we would say, that's right, that's right. That's exactly the way it is. And then he takes chapters 4 through 6. He says, okay, so here's what it looks like in your life. You can do this because of what you know here. And the problem is we have a disconnect from what we know here to what we do here. When we believe in Christ, these things become our enemies, all these spiritual battlefields, because you see, Satan hates you. He can't unsave you. You are saved, not on your own works, but through Jesus Christ. And since Jesus Christ doesn't change, your salvation doesn't change. We know that. So what does he do? Now he attacks you, and he wants you to become ineffective. He wants you to become defeated. He wants you to say this life has no purpose. So you look at the devil's forces. I found this fascinating. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Have you thought about this? Most of the time we focus on armor, don't we? We're focusing on this armor and we're saying, put on the armor, put on the armor, put on the armor. He says, for we wrestle not. What does wrestling tell you? What's the distance between the enemies if you're wrestling? <laughs> really close. This is hand-to-hand -hand combat. We typically like to focus on the distant. We like the drone strikes. We like the distant kind of warfare. And there is distant warfare that's going on, but he also reminds us in the middle of all this armor, he says, you're going to be wrestling. You need to understand this battle is going to come up close to you and you are not going to be able to stand at a distance and say, wow, yeah, this is really bad out there. No, you don't get to stand in the kitchen while this is going on out in the yard. This is, this is face to face. But he talks about our, the blessings we have in heavenly places. Can you flip back? Just maybe you need to. It's in chapter 5, verse 19. What does he say? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, even in this battle, the music that we choose to let into our lives is going to help us in our spiritual battles. Now, you can choose to listen to whatever you want. As I've told you all along, you're always free to choose. And we love each other with our weaknesses. We don't love each other only because, boy, that person's really strong, so I love them, and that person, well, they may as well leave because they're no good. The reality is... We choose, and Paul has been saying, look, let's minister to one another and minister to yourself, according in Colossians, he says, with spiritual songs. Things that remind you of the battle that you're in. Things that remind you of the goodness of God. Things that remind you of what God has provided for you. You remember with us, Christ totally understands what you're going through because he went through everything you're going through. He was tested in every way like us, except he didn't fail. Although we're assured of victory, we've got to engage in the struggle until Christ returns because Satan is constantly battling all those who are on the Lord's side. Even though victory is certain, it will be won through battle. We're fighting from the victory side, but we still fight. You know, today you can have power, you can have armor, you can have victory, but you get to choose.
have you become distracted? Have you, have you gotten to the where you're, you're not really thinking about what's really happening? You're just kind of walking through it and you're getting slugged and shot at and punched and you say, this is no fun. Well, we're in a battle. Could I give you a couple things just to think about? Choose to depend on the Lord. Use his armor, not yours. Recognize that the power that's available to use is Christ's and not from you. Recognize there's a battle going on every day and it's not physical. I am so weak. I'm driving here this morning and I'm watching this lady who isn't certain which lane she wants to drive in. And so she was in one lane, and so I chose the other lane, and then after a little while, all of a sudden, she decided she needed my lane, and I thought, well, she needs to get off and get on the interstate, but no, she just needed my lane. And my first response was critical of that person. And then I thought, oh, let's just preach the sermon again right here in the van this morning. Where's your real battle? Does this really have to steal your joy? Can this lady, by one lane change, make you angry? And the answer is, well... Yes, (laughs) since we're being honest. And the response is, but I don't have to. Recognize that when we talk about all this spiritual wickedness, all this pressure around us, it can become terrifying unless you remember they don't have control They don't have power. They don't have authority over you. God does. God's gift, God's kindness to us should let us walk out today with joy. When you begin to think that the world is winning, that it's no use, remember Psalm 73. I thought, what's the use? until I walked in the house of God and I remembered their end. You know, sadly, the wicked people don't even know their end. 